Uh, how many of you were at uh, the missions banquet last night? Come on, was that not uh, the presence of God, amen? And I'm not just talking about the food. Come on, somebody. You know, the reality is God is, God is challenging this house. We are believing God for $200,000 in, in missions giving. Can somebody shout amen? amen. You know what? You have your faith promise, God. I'm going to say this. I was uh, praying actually in pastor's office. It's like an open heaven there. I felt like I was uh, the old Star Trek, like I was on one of those pads where I was going to get, you know, dematerialized, that I was on a transport. I was going to be beamed to heaven. Can somebody shout amen? You know, I mean, if you want to go like uh, back to the future or whatever, I mean, you got to go to pastor's office and just pray. But during that time, the Spirit of the Lord showed me something. Listen, I want to challenge you to do this. You know, do you realize if 100 people here, 100 people will give $200 a month for 10 months? I had this revelation, and I felt like God wanted me to tell you this. $200, look, you know what? Uh, January's passed, give for January. In another week, give for February. And then every month, and you'll conclude your giving in November. I really feel this is a word from God for everybody here. In the name of Jesus, if you will do that, I believe God will so prosper you, you could stop that missions giving because you'll have given your pledge. You stop it in November. In November and December, you will eat the fruit and the byproduct of the increase God has given you and have the greatest holiday season you have ever had. I honestly believe that is a word for God from, for every person here. Do you notice I'm not taking an offering for myself. I'm saying you give for this church to accomplish the vision that God has given this church. Can somebody say amen? amen. You guys are going to affect the nations of the world. You're going to affect the colleges that are in Florida. And I want to tell you something. You're going to be part, I think, of hastening the second coming of Jesus Christ as God blesses this church to bless the nation of Israel. If we will, I'm telling you what, I believe God's going to have some radical salvations happening in Jerusalem. I believe God is going to raise up people. Both, uh, both um, uh, that God's going to create a messianic Jewish movement that's even greater than it has been. And it's, by the way, going incredibly. But I honestly believe that God is going to reach key Arab leaders in that region to bring about something that is amazing so that there's going to be a mighty harvest for Jesus Christ. How many of you will believe with me for that? Amen? Amen? I preached a conference where, the, where I was one of the main speakers. The other main speaker was a Palestinian. And he looked at me and he said, because radically saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, wanted to get people saved. He lived here in Florida where he got saved. Wow. His name is Salim Kaseh. What an anointed man of God. He looked at me and he said, Dean, if you and I are carrying backpa backpacks in an airport, nobody's going to like it. Amen. Because <laughs> we just look like terrorists. <laughs> I mean, God did that, and I'm sitting there thinking, look, God has even brought him here. How many Palestinians, how many Arabs, how many Jewish students are going to your universities that need to get saved? Can somebody shout amen? amen. How many of you believe that 100 people could give $2,000 in 10 months and reap the harvest in November and December? Any of you, how many of you are with me to believe God for that? Amen? Come on, get your hands up in the air now, all right? Like you don't care. Hallelujah. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe you can do this thing. Spark faith in me this morning. Touch me. Open my ears to hear. My eyes to see. My heart to believe that you can do the impossible. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, clap your hands. Hallelujah. All right, wait.
Before you're seated, look at, look at the person right next to you, right in the eye, and say, repent, you beady-eyed little sinner, and you can sit down. Go ahead. Some of you have been wanting to say that to your spouse forever anyway. I, you could say to your spouse, if they got mad, say, he told me to say it. I just thought I should. And right now, inside, you're going, yes. No, anyway. John chapter 11, please. Um, uh, we obviously have a little bit more of a time limit. I want to introduce somebody to this congregation. Some of you met him last night. Pastor David, would you please stand up? This is my spiritual son, Pastor David Yerdow. Would y'all clap your hands, put him together? I'll tell you what. You could grab some good stuff, go out into the foyer, foyer, or whatever you want to call it. You could go out there, get some coffee, stick around because he's speaking at the next service. That's an anointed young man from the nation of Ethiopia, and you need to hear what Jesus is saying through him. Can somebody shout amen? amen. You're starting the whole process of touching the nations by, by receiving the ministry that God is, has given him to give. In the name of Jesus, John chapter 11, this may be a familiar story. It's the story of Lazarus. Everyone say Lazarus. Now, just for the sake of time, because obviously this service is a little bit more time constraint. Uh, in John chapter 11, you know the story of Lazarus where he, where he uh, so to speak, falls asleep. He's sick. He's going to die. And Jesus uh, hears that he's dead. And he, he stays where he's at for two more days. He stays there to make sure that Lazarus is not just dead, but that he's good and dead. That they put him in the tomb, that they've wrapped him up, that they've done all the burial rites, and they put him in the tomb and put a stone in front of it. He tells his disciples, hey, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and they're so dumb, they say, well, if he's fallen asleep, he's going to get better. <laughs> you know, They literally were clueless. In fact, when you read about the disciples Jesus had, it gives you hope for yourself. I'm serious. These guys are so clueless. You know what I mean? And, and I read about it, and I'm like, Jesus, you could use me. Come on now. All right, so, so that happens, and so I, I rejoice in this. So we see this story developing, and so then as you're continuing on, we get to verse 17. So when Jesus came, everyone say, say when Jesus came. Because when, when Jesus comes, it changes everything. When Jesus comes to your house, it changes your house. When Jesus comes into your life, he changes your life. Jesus is the only one who could change everything. Hallelujah. So he found that he had already been dead and in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Mar Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. It was professional mourning time. It's like us Greeks in, in the Ethiopian culture. I mean, in many of these uh, uh, foreign cultures of which so uh, some of us are part of, you know what, when somebody dies, I mean, everybody's filling your house. They're eating, they're mourning, you sit around. I mean, this is what you're doing, Amen. And it's not like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I had a great aunt who literally threw herself on her dead sons who died of cancer tragically. She was in her 70s. He was in his 50s. She threw herself on the casket as he was being lowered into the ground. Now, you all would go, do it with me. Uh, okay, one, two, three. <gasps> right? For us Greeks, we're like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had to pull her out. It was a miracle that she, they didn't just throw the dirt on top of her because she had died. I mean, she didn't die. She didn't even break a bone. You know, we just watched her throw herself in there going, up. that's what we do. Amen. Right? So <laughs> pray for Greeks. But I hear this, all right? Um, so Martha, verse 20, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Isn't that so true? If Jesus shows up, he could heal anything. Yeah. How many of you know he could heal anything? 
Man, I have seen God. I walked into a hospital room where the doctor was saying, your daughter has only one organ system left that's essential. Everything else is shut down. There is nothing we can do. She will be dead within the hour. I walked in because there was a radical Holy Ghost hillbilly for Jesus. That's the one that Kevin was talking to you about, uh, who's a dear friend of ours, and she's been a mother in the faith to us and prays for us all the time. She, she had called me and said, you know, uh, Pastor Dean, can you please come? Please come, because the whole family is unsaved. There's only one saved member. I know this person. I led her to Christ, got her filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you please come? Because this daughter, radical lesbian, radical issues in her life, has come in, and she's dying, and there's no hope, and we know where she's going because she rejected God, hated God. And so I come walking in when the doctor announces this, and I said, Doc, I'm Pastor Dean. I want you to know, in this next hour, God's going to hear our prayer, because it's never too late for anybody. He looked at me, he goes, well, certainly faith is a place of comfort for us. (laughs) Place of comfort. It changes the world. We ask God answers, end of discussion. Oh, come on, somebody shake your booty for Jesus. Come on. When she heard Jesus went out to meet him, listen to me. We prayed. You and I know. I was going to like torment you and give you the testimony. You want to hear the end of that testimony? I got on my face and started yelling in tongues in that waiting room. The family sat there and watched me for the better part of 30 minutes. I'm crying out to God. Within three days, that girl was released from the hospital, was born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, delivered and set free of her lesbianism. Bro, when she went to church and gave her testimony, I'm telling you what, there was a revival. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Somebody say, that's faith talking. Sounds like it, right? Yes or no? Follow this. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Even he who comes into the world. When she said this, she went away, called Mary, called Mary her sister, saying secretly while in this room of all these people weeping and wailing, the teacher is here, he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had come uh, into the village but was still in the place where Martha met him. Everyone say, he was still where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her, basically meaning Mary, uh, in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews that came to her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. The shortest verse that everybody likes to memorize in the Bible, Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how much he loved them. Then they start complaining, well, if he's been here, he would not have died. They could, he could have prayed for him and all the rest. He goes to the tomb, skipping down. He says, remove the stone. Martha, in verse 30, the sister of the deceased said to him, Lord, by this time there's been a stench, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, if you believe you'll see the glory of God? They removed the stone. He calls Lazarus to come forth. And then uh, down at verse 44, the man who had died came forth, bound bound hand and foot with wrappings. His face was wrapped up in a cloth. Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Somebody shout amen. Amen. 
Now I want to give you one other thing, and I just want you to, you can read it in Luke chapter 10. Before this event, Jesus had gone because he loved them and loved this family. And he had gone to their home, and in Luke chapter 10, Jesus was teaching in their house. Their house was a preaching point. It was a house church. And as they're communicating the gospel, as he's communicating about himself, Mary was sitting at his feet. This is the part of the story where Martha is busy making the wiener dogs and making sure everything's replenished, you know, and all the rest, and feeding everybody. Amen? So she's doing all this stuff, or she had it catered out by who catered, you know, Saturday. And so, but she's making sure all the things are full, and she gets mad because Mary isn't helping her. How many of you remember that story? The story story everybody preaches on, Martha and Mary. Right? And Mary's sitting there, and Martha gets mad and says to Jesus, tell my sister to help me. Now, I want to tell you something, because God literally opened up. I mean, my, my brain's about ready to explode from Revelation in these texts. In John 11, Jesus shows up, makes sure Lazarus is dead, somebody he loved, and he loved Mary and Martha. He loved the three of them. He loved them. He loves you. He came to their home. Jesus wants to visit your house. Not just the house of God, that's the church. He wants to visit what you are. Your body is the house of God. He wants to live in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I say to people when they say, man, I'm feeling something for you. I feel your energy. I say, what you're feeling, it's Jesus coming out of my pores. Come on. Look in my eyes, you'll see Jesus looking back. Because if he lives in my heart, he could peek out the windows. Come on. So, So I say this to people, right? I say to them. He wants to live inside of you. So Jesus shows up at their house, right? I mean, uh, I mean, Jesus, rather, is coming when he hears Lazarus is dead, waits to make sure he's good and dead, and he goes to their town. Somebody runs and says to Martha, hey, Martha, you know, he's on his way. Now, Martha goes running out to meet him. Now, I'm expecting, because if you notice this, Martha goes out to meet him, but nobody goes with her. That is really important for you. She goes running out, and nobody goes with her, probably because they know how she is. Because all she's concerned with is how everything is going to work. So she's probably thinking, how many people is Jesus coming with? How much, how much meal should I have for the funeral luncheon? You know, How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on. Right? Now, Martha is, understands that there are things that need to be done. In fact, in Luke 10, she was busy doing things that were needed. But the problem is, you forget what the most important thing is. The things that are needed to make things comfortable for people are actually still secondary to the presence and power of the living God. So some of you are like, man, we got to make sure this service, we, you know, come on, let's face it. Some of you come to the first service because you know it's going to end earlier than the second one does. You want to get busy with what you're going to do for the day. Man, I hope we had a third one. We could shorten up with these services. This would be great. I want to challenge some of you to stick around for the second service. You're like, dear God, that would kill me. What, to be in the presence of God? That's not going to kill you. If you die, you're going to end up here anyways. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hear this, okay? Hear me, all right? So, so Martha is probably going out to check on everything, and she says, Jesus, if you'd been here, she's crying. She's hurting. If you'd been here, you wouldn't have died. Well, that's a true statement, isn't it? I mean, Jesus could heal him. Jesus then says to her, your brother will rise again. He basically is telling her, I'm here to do a miracle because you're going to see the glory of God. Your brother will rise again. And he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
She says, yes, I believe you're the one who comes into the world. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, he will do it. Isn't that a radical faith statement? Here's the problem. It was a radical faith statement that came from a heart that didn't even believe it. Because he says, your brother will rise again. She goes, I believe it uh, in the resurrection of the righteous. He's telling her, I'm here to raise him from the dead. He's raised people from the dead. He raised the widow of Nain's son from the dead. He's done all these miraculous things. He has done all these miracles. She has said, oh, I believe it. You could do anything. It's like the person in this room who keeps preaching all the right things. You say the right things. You just don't have the right things. Oh, I'm meddling something fierce. Listen to me. We profess much and possess little, if anything at all. We have a stained glass religion that makes all the right statements. Oh, man, I, I have people all the time quoting to me famous quotes from all these people. Man, this is just incredible. All these huge conferences where they have tons of people coming. Everybody's quoting all these wonderful quotes, and nothing ever changes because nobody believes it. Hey, cool statement, man. I'm making a cool statement. People think I'm cool. I'm making a cool statement. Hey, he was no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's a famous mission statement by somebody who gave his life for Jesus Christ. Ironically, on the side, it's also a great tagline for a weight loss program. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> Friends, I want you to hear me very well. People quote these things and they never go to missions. People quote things that are famous by people and they never do anything because they don't actually believe it in their hearts. You know what's really interesting about all of this? Jesus is clearly telling her, I'm gonna do this. But did you notice when Martha went out, nobody followed her. When she goes back to her house, she secretly tells Mary, Jesus is calling you. The call on Mary's life though is different because when she moves, everybody follows Mary. You hear a lot more words from Martha in the Bible than you ever hear from Mary. All you know basically about Mary is she says the same thing to Jesus. She says, hey, if, you're, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You hear nothing else from her. You hear tons of words from Martha. But you hear nothing except that line. But when she said it to Jesus, he's moved. When Martha came out and talked to Jesus, Mary found Jesus exactly where Martha had left him. You cannot move God by professing things. You move God by what's coming out of your heart. What is in your heart if it's alive? Listen to me, everybody in this room. This is the desperate need that we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You don't just need Jesus. You need Jesus and to be filled with the Spirit of God. The, when you pray in tongues, according to what the Bible says in Jude, only one chapter, verse 20, the Bible says you build faith. Yeah. Now what faith means is God trust. And what you don't realize is the reason why when you pray in tongues you build God trust is because you are killing self-trust. Martha trusted herself, and even though the resurrection and life was standing in front of her, even though he was telling her, your brother's going to get up, I'm going to raise him from the dead, she couldn't hear it. Wow. She did not not love him. She loved him. She wanted him there in her, in her life and all the rest. It's just that it made little difference in the person she was. Wow. She wasn't transformed. Because she was self-reliant. 
Her faith was more in her understanding. This is what we do. Oh, I know God could heal. I mean, after all, death is the perfect healing. What is wrong with you? Death is death. If you believe death is the perfect healing, please do not lay hands on me and ask Jesus to heal me. Because <laughs> I'm going to be ambivalent about what you mean. <laughs> You're going to be saying, God, heal him. In other words, kill him. <laughs> Death is death. Why is death some kind of weird loss to you? Death is gain. Don't you ever tell somebody death is healing. It's not healing. There's no sickness, no suffering, no shame. That's in heaven. I got that. But that's not healing. It's going to your reward. It's not healing. Healing is healing. Duh. Listen to me. All right, listen to me, everybody. Martha professed it, didn't possess it. She couldn't move God, nor could she lead people. Mary, we only have in the Bible recorded one thing she said. She gets up and moves and everybody follows her to Jesus. And when she gets there, she moves him. She moves his emotions by the utterance of the same statement Martha had made. She moves him to go to where Lazarus is buried. He says, remove the stone. And who tries to block it? Martha. Lord, in the King James, it's the best. He stinketh. (laughs) She tries to stop him. Why on earth? He had told her, I'm going to raise him from the dead. She doesn't move him or lead people. Martha leads people and moves God. And now he says, move the stone. And she's trying to stop Jesus from moving. Wow. That's what we do. Come on. When we profess the right things and then we're in the middle of seeing the right things, we try to stop them because we don't actually have it in our hearts. Wow. That is amazing. Listen to me, everybody in this room, okay? What did Martha think he was going to do? Lord, you know, he stinks. You really shouldn't move the stone. What do you think he's going to do? Because he likes sniffing dead people? (laughs) I sniff dead people. (laughs) My favorite scent of potpourri. (laughs) It's like an essential oil. (laughs) Death. (laughs) Dress goth, do that. (laughs) Listen, right? My friend, she tries to stand away. Okay, let me summarize this by saying this, okay? I was going to say, let me explain. And then I was going to pull the Princess Bride and say, no, not enough time. Let me summarize. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I love the Princess Bride. And try to get some line from that movie into almost every message. Hear me. <laughs> I have issues. Pray for me. Okay, listen. Because obviously I need the prayer and you can all use the practice. Oh, come on. All right. Um, <laughs> say, that's messed up. Hear this, okay? <laughs> I'm so insanely jealous of your beard, bro. Okay, now hear this. <laughs> You should put like a little bird in there. You know, like a little bird, just stuffed animal. That would be so cool. Hear this. All right. Friends, listen to me. In Luke chapter 10, which happens before this event. In Luke chapter 10, when Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning, could it be that Mary was learning and growing in the faith that she needed so she could bridge the gap from profession to possession? Could it be, could it be, That it was there that she was radically changed so that she could move God by uttering words that came from an aching heart just like her sister had? I'll tell you what's significant for everybody in this room. And this is totally significant. Okay, here, son, thanks. Um, Here's something that's extremely significant. Martha 
in Luke 10 looks at Jesus because she's mad at her sister and orders Jesus around. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it kind of sounds like a lot of our prayer times, doesn't it? We're ordering God around. Hey, God, take care of this, 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 and this. And if you don't, I'm not going to worship you. I won't go to church until you do what I want. You know, people who say, I was praying and I said to God, if you do this, then I'll do this for you. You know, it's not good to issue the Lord of the universe ultimatums. So she literally looks at Jesus and says, God, you know, Jesus is God. I want to control you so you can control somebody for me. How many of you have prayed that? I mean, listen, there's groaning going on because of how bad this is. Amen. (laughs) That's intercessory groaning. Why do you have the nook in your mouth? Never mind. Okay, anyway. um, How many parents have ever gone there? Okay, listen. (laughs) I try to say, but I found it. I don't know why it's in my mouth. Anyway, um, on airplanes, like when I was flying here. But hear this. (laughs) She's trying to control God to control somebody. Some of you that are parents are trying to control God to get your kid. You can't control God. So knock it off. Knocketh it offeth. <laughs> you need to knock it off. She's trying to control. But what's significant in Luke chapter 10 is she says these words. She says to Jesus, she says, Lord, tell her to help me. Everyone say, help me. Help me. You know what's really interesting? The word that's used, help, there in Luke chapter 10, where you pick up that story. The word that she uses to tell Jesus to help her is the exact same word in Greek that's used. It's only used in two places in the entire Bible. And it's used in Luke 10 when Martha utters that word to tell Jesus to help, you know, to tell her sister to help her. And it's used in Romans chapter 8, verses 26, where Paul says, The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Do you understand what the problem is? If you will not be a person who has a heart that is changed and grows in God-reliance rather than self-reliance, you will not only just, you'll find yourself, because you love God, you have a love for Jesus. That's what's difficult about this. You love Jesus, like she loved Jesus. But you miss him completely because you don't get the words that he's speaking are for you and that they're supernatural and that they will change the universe around you. That's why some of you don't dare give because you're like, listen, I know exactly what my finances are. I live by a budget and I will not live by faith and give. Because you don't, you, you say, I know people who did that and all they did, all they did, those people are suffering. They're eating cat food today because they trusted God. Because they were foolish. You, gotta, you have to have a mind. You got to trust in yourself here because God gave us a brain after all. Saying you have a brain means you need to trust your own thinking more than trust what God says. That's what you're saying. You're saying exactly what Martha did, and you know what ends up happening? You say to yourself, I don't need this Holy Spirit because I'm going to rely on people to do what only God the Holy Spirit can do. Tell her to help me. The only help that she needed was to wait for the Holy Ghost to fill her. She needed God Holy Spirit help, not, Martha, not Mary's help. You will always look to people to do what only God the Holy Spirit can do. You will find yourself professing a love for Jesus because you actually love him. You will find yourself saying cool things that are truths in themselves, but they will never go beyond a little statement that comes off the top of your head. It will never be in your heart. Because Jesus could give you word after word after word, and you will trust yourself more than you will trust what God says himself to you. 
Is there any wonder why I tell people all the time, man, you don't just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues once. You need to use that prayer language every single day, for, if you can for hours, but at least minimum an hour every day. Why? Because you're building God trust while destroying self-trust. And what's happening is you are building inside of yourself. That's how we edify ourselves. You are strongest and most like Jesus when you rely on him the most. But how many of you rely on your bank account, rely on the people around you, and even rely on the church more than you rely on God directly? For those of us who come out of like Orthodox or Catholic backgrounds, you know, we felt free when we realized we didn't have to go through no priest because we have a high priest who loves us and lives inside of us. But how many of us have replaced that high priest because we rely on ourselves and are constantly going to others to pray the prayers we need to pray? We have them pray it because we don't believe it. Have I made sense to anybody in this room? How many of you would agree with me that that's a problem? Come on, be honest. This is God's house. Why should you lie to God in his own house, right? In the name of Jesus, how many of you would agree with me that that's probably a sin? Self-reliance rather than God-reliance. Come on, raise your hand. Let me see your underarm stains, right? Listen to me. How many of you would agree with me that maybe in your own life that that's a truth and something you need to repent of and you could use a lot more God-reliance? How many of you would agree with me on that? Come on. Wave your hand at me, all right? I don't want to feel like I'm the only person here, right? I need this in my own life. So why don't we all stand to our feet? Come on. Why on earth did I just say stand to your feet? As God is my witness, what else would I have you stand to? (laughs) Stand to your hands, please. (laughs) Lift your feet. (laughs) Stand to your hands. Um, You know what? I'm going to do a couple of things because we're going to have two kind of altar calls kind of quasi-morphed together here. Um, And so I'd like you all, everybody, would you step out from where you're at? Everybody in the sanctuary because we're all realizing how much we need. uh, uh, And we need to repent. Would you all step out and come on up here? Come on, everybody come on up here. Come on. Cry them in. You want to sweat with your brothers and sisters in Christ right now? Nothing is like the sweet smell of repentance at God's altar. The family that sweats together stays together. Come on, somebody shout amen. I say this often, you know, depending on what your uh, uh, background is. Some of you, your personal space is measured in half miles. You know, me, my personal space, because I'm Greek, is measured in milliliters, millimeters. I said milliliters. I can't believe I just went there. Um, Millimeters. In other words, I could get in somebody's face really close. That's right. Come on. I just want to do this with you. (laughs) I love you. All right. All right. so you know what, you just, you just want to get in somebody's face. I like, like talking to people really up close. I don't care if they spit on me. I'm spitting on them, amen? I tell people my spit is going to protect you from vampires. Now hear this. Because <laughs> there's garlic. <laughs> I went to my happy bunnies right there. See this, bunnies, right? Um, I, I know I've said this before. I mean, I sit in airports too long. Unsaved bunnies, saved bunnies, spirit-filled bunnies. Look at this. <laughs> See? Um, uh, listen to me, okay? There are kids sitting there going, I can preach now. <laughs> Look at him, he's silly. Um, friends, listen to me, everybody. We need to ask God to forgive us.